This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. Hello. Welcome to Late Boomers. I'm Kathy Worthington. Today, our special guest is Sequoia Blue, multi-talented singer, songwriter, entrepreneur, author of four books, filmmaker, actress, and host of the Blue Alchemist podcast. And I'm Mary Elkins. Despite being told that a career in music was not possible for her, she persevered and released her album titled Limitless, which is now available on all streaming platforms, and it's really terrific. She's also created a dating card game called Dating Assassins, which we're really excited to hear about. Welcome, Sequoia. Thank you. Glad to be here. (laughs) Glad to have you. Tell us about your background and how it led you onto the multifaceted professional path you're on today. Oh, man. (laughs) Crazy story. (laughs) I mean, I, (laughs) I started singing at 12 years old. And that's because I was getting bullied so bad. And I said, well, you know what? Uh, when I when I started to sing, you know, uh, the Isley Brothers and all types of artists, the bullies didn't bother me as much. And then I said, let me just keep singing this because I've enjoyed this and the bullies aren't bothering me. And I fell in love with music. I started falling in love with all types of sounds and uh, just learning different styles of music intertwining and also breaking the rules like as you would say and I was so basically I started taking music seriously at 14 when I realized oh you can make money from this because before it was kind of like oh I'm just singing and just having fun and then when I realized oh I think I actually want to be a singer I'm not really I don't really care about school because I didn't pay attention I had ADHD did I didn't pay attention to school so I just thought I wasn't going to go to college or something I said well music will save mm-hmm. me so at 14, I um, I started taking it seriously. And at that point, I uh, was like, okay, well, how am I going to get to the studio and stuff? I, my parents didn't really quite understand it. They didn't really stand that career. So I was had to wait till I turned like 18 or 19 when I released my first single, Chocolate Man. And I was, <laughs> and it's funny because I wrote it myself at 16 and I put it out at 18, 19. And Chocolate Man was like a, a really odd song for the music history because it wasn't as melodic as what we're used to, but it was something fresh for me. And it was expressing, you know, um, like my love for dark skinned men. <laughs> so that's why I did. <laughs> I was like, I have to do this song. And so um, I put it out. I got a lot of attention and I didn't know anything about marketing back then. I didn't know. Cause like I said, I didn't know anybody around me that was an artist. I don't, you know, I was just winging it. And at the time, I had on MySpace, I was getting some attention from that song and a song, some uh, some vocals I did with some rappers. Like I sung some uh, some chorus and stuff, like the uh, what do they call it, the uh, the ad libs and stuff. So 
Yeah. Oh. So I did that. And so I was getting attention because he had, you know, he had the money and stuff and I was getting attention from that. And at that point I was like, okay, um, I'm trying to figure out how I was going to explain it. But at that point I was like, all right, so let me, um, <laughs> let me try to get my own music going more, get it pushed. Um, a lot of, uh, labels or some record people was looking at my music in the industry and they just didn't understand me. They wanted me to go with the pop sound. They wanted to push me to like a Rihanna cause she was coming out at the time and some new pop artists that were coming out and I just wanted to be myself. So it was kind of hard to find my way, uh, with that, but it all turned out great when I did my first album Limitless. I worked with a great producer, uh, Real Soul, which it, he's based in Atlanta. So he actually produced my first album. And I start. I, that was my first time getting my music on streaming platforms like Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, mm-hmm. and all these great sites. And yeah. it turned out like I started getting like a lot of people streaming and stuff, checking it out. I didn't, you know, like I said, I didn't know marketing back then, so I wasn't like pushing it a hundred percent. At that time, I'm like, oh, that's got to get a record deal. That's all I got to do because that's how I'm going to live. But it just didn't work out that way. I kept running into sharks, people that were trying to, you know, say, hey you know, bring your sexy panties and I was to your music and stuff like that. So it was tough mm. um, for me, you know? So I was like, yeah. man, you know what? And then they wanted me to be somebody else I didn't want to be. So that's when I said, you know what? I'm just going independent. So when I turned like 25, 26, I just kept that independent uh, vibe going. Mm-hmm. And I was able to release my singles like Champion and uh, Player Hater that I released uh, the last few years and stuff like that. And then I'll and then get my own recording studio where I can record at home and I don't have to depend on uh, going to a studio with a man or someone that's not going to respect me or, you know, I just wanted to be in my own element, your own energy. So it turned into that situation. Yeah. And then I said, to, it's tough to be yeah. a female. Tough. Yeah. It's kind tough. of forge ahead being a female. Especially if you don't have anybody yeah. in your family or anybody you know that is doing music that is going to help you. Like you, you meet people, but they're not really, they're just for themselves, which is fine. That's just yeah. the way the world is. So I was like, all right. And at that point, I said, I need to get, I didn't know I had other talents besides music. But when I turned 26 and got into tech, that's when I was able to really invest. I was able to put money into my own projects and get things out there. And it was just, it was amazing. Like people say, focus on one thing. And I do think that's good for some people, but for me, getting in tech changed my life. It was like my record deal. And it taught me, it it prepared me to even be a better engineer as a music engineer and to learn how to mix and and do things that I need to do to be a better artist and well-rounded as an artist. So that was, that was like that pivotal point. what about your work as an author and you are, uh, oh, yes. you said you're an engineer and uh, an actress <laughs> and a model. I, I don't know how you do it all. But how I did skip, that happen? Yeah, I skipped that part. So when I was 20 years old, actually, when I was, couldn't get to the studio, couldn't afford it. I was working at the airport five an hour, you know, and this didn't make a lot. Um, I was like, I need a way to release my, my creativity, you know, cause I, I can't release music back to back the way I want. So I was at the airport. And I remember I was, I was a wheelchair assistant. So I was watching, I was watching people get off the plane and I saw this gorgeous woman. I was like, man, she's so pretty. She got her life together. She got these cool bags. I want, that's so cool. And for some reason, I thought of a story around her. I thought of a whole book. And so I went home and started writing Mm -hmm. about her based off what I thought her life was. And, and, and that's where we came up with a woman's chocolate appetite. 
equals enslavement. Now I changed the name to Dark Obsession, but it was called it was <laughs> yeah. the first title. And then I said, you know what? Let me. It's know, a I romance, right? It's a romance novel <laughs> is there, thriller. Is there a romance? <laughs> yes. It sounds dark. Yeah, it's, a little it's bit there, dark. Some, it's yeah. really kind of dark. It's a thriller. It's a thriller book. And my thing was, I was a no vice writer. Like all, all I knew was I could put out a story, but editing was not my forte. So my first book, I didn't do very well as I wanted because I could not, I didn't know how to edit. I didn't know that it matters much. I thought if it was readable, you can understand it. I'm good. No, that's not how it works. So that's why it's re-edited now. I had mm-hmm. found a very good re- editor, John Riddle, very good editor. He's a boss. And so he fixed it for me. And then I was able to put out Sammy B, my children's book, which did phenomenal because that one was edited, per- you know, correctly. So th- Sammy Bean came out and and Sammy Bean is about a, a kid being bullied, you know, because and and like he's bully? you know, well actually Sammy Bean is not is is the bully, but you know, it's a new kid in town that comes to to the school named Monty King, and he comes to help the kids in the playground and make everybody more united, not get picked on. Because those are things I went through in the you know, when I was growing up. Now the kids got all these computers and stuff they mm-hmm. ain't gotta worry about. The playground, they're probably on their smartphone. But back when I was in school, we didn't have all the. I didn't have a smartphone, so it's just about you going outside well, and playing with somebody. Being bullied on the smartphones. There we go. Being bullied on smartphones is way worse. Oh yeah, Man. it's way well, worse. What's happening now? But yeah, I, yes, it is. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I have to ask you though, just changing the subject slightly. No, you're fine. Um, I I can I can hardly wait to hear about your dating card game, dating assassins. <laughs> Tell us about it and why you created it. Oh man. So seven years ago, I was in a really bad relationship and I realized that I did not ask the right questions. I didn't get to know him as a person. And I then I was, you know, of course, meeting other people that were telling me similar stories about things they were going through. I was like, I was like, hmm, it was 2018. I said to myself, it would be cool if I can create a card game where people can get to know each other, but not make it all fluffy. Let's get down to the nitty gritty and assassinate their truth. That is my slogan, assassinate their truth, because facts are the enemy to the truth. So what is your truth? Because your truth, I could tell you a bold lie and it's not my, it's not a fact. I'm just telling you my truth. So I said, okay, facts are the enemy to the truth, assassinate their truth. And basically it's 150 questions. So basically you would ask, uh, you know, your potential partner or current partner, 150 questions. And these questions ain't for the faint of heart. For people that's sensitive and don't want to tell you the truth, they're going to run away from the card game. They're going to say, why would you ask me this? Well, that's good. That What's your problem? Why I can't ask you then? That's going to cause you to think. If this person can't answer this one question, then what's going on here? What are they hiding? And that gets you to to dig deep down and see if that per- person's even compatible with you. Because you want somebody that's going to tell you the truth. And if they're stumbling at the questions and they're not trying to answer and they're saying this is stupid, whatever. No, answer the question. Why can't you? So that's this question is like a litmus test to see if that, you know, if that person is for you, you know, before you marry so them or get is, to them long term. Is that how your card game improves relationships? Like, yes. I think yes. you were talking about that. So Tell us about yeah. how that works. How does that improve your relationship? So it improves the relationship because if I go and ask someone, um, if I'm asking a guy, let's say I'm on a, well, not, not, some people might use it as a, on a first date, but I would say don't use it on a first date, you know, use it with someone you're actually interested in that you want to go forward with. You think you want to go forward with. 
And you sit down with um, him or her and you say, you ask these questions, you say, hey, I got 150 <laughs> questions. I want to ask you these questions. I want to get to know you better. If I see you squirming and get nervous and stuff, then I'm going to yell out, you've been assassinated. But it doesn't oh. mean that the game is over. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, you've been assassinated because you were wow. taking too long to answer the question. And it's some, and it's sometimes people got to think of their answer, which is fine. But you can tell the difference. You can tell. Well, some people, I don't know, but some people can tell the difference on if somebody's trying to to hide something versus you know um, trying to figure out how to answer the question. So well, basically, can, can that's you- that's how it gets down to the nitty gritty because you're like saying, "Hey, do you have an STD?" Right now, some people might not want to talk about that. Nothing's wrong with having an STD, but we need to know if you have it, so then we can know <laughs> how to approach. If I want to date you or if I don't want to date you, that's important to know. And if somebody's yeah. like, oh, do you have an STD? And he's like, like, have you been to the doctor? <laughs> do you go to the doctor? You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, because if I'm on my health kick and I'm out here going to the doctor, getting my blood work drawn once a year, I'm doing what I got to do. And you're not, and you're not healthy in general. Like you're just like running around here, not even trying to take care of yourself. Well, maybe we're not a good match. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah. and so well, that's exactly what the, right. the, the, that's where it comes at the determination. Yeah. That's where you see, and yeah, and there are some questions that can help you help. Yeah, like I if you are with somebody, you that. You like I'd love to ask. Yeah, you there's that. some can questions. Give us a few examples of questions. Like you know, I'm trying to think of some because now it's like I should have my card game. I think I do. I have my <laughs> box right here because I'm like thinking of a question that I could show. I'm like, oh. Here we go. <laughs> so okay. it's actually 18 and up now, but because I realized that 18 year olds can can play the game. But, you know, because um, you'll be surprised. Like my mom was telling me during COVID, a lot of people broke up that had been married for 10 years because they didn't even know the person's religion. So, hmm. um, mm-hmm. so like what, for instance, one question is, what would you have liked to do but never accomplish? You know, mm. stuff like that. Because what if, you know, somebody wants to have children and, you know, maybe the husband didn't want to have, maybe the guy he, she yeah. lived didn't want to have children. So you have to talk about these things because you think you know, but you don't know because, you know, you think that you know everything and you don't. Um, and some stuff like, do you drink alcohol? These are, I mean, you may already know this, but some people don't know. <laughs> so these are questions, you know, type of questions that help you vet that potential partner and see, you know. Mm-hmm what's going on and then you know you have other questions uh will you ever go to a nude beach you get naked stuff like that you know because you want to know if if that person would and you might be with somebody for a long time and you never bought it up and then maybe the lady wants to do that and the guy doesn't stuff like that Mm -hmm. um you know do you text and drive yeah so it's just it's just very much and if you do know about a lot of things about your partner already, like, then that means you passed the test. Let's think about it. Like, if you already know most of these, great. That means you passed the test. That means you know you did your work. You know, mm-hmm. like, if you could great. change one thing about yourself, what would it be? Right. Because if you can change something about yourself, like, what would it be? Like, this is a question that maybe no one's ever discussed in their relationship. You know, um, mm-hmm. so those are the mm-hmm. type of questions I have in here. And it's, it's a whole, it's a whole bunch of them. But. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. You, well, yeah. I have a different thing. You've called yourself an abstract soul singer and said yes. you have an unconventional approach to music. Can you tell us, first of all, what an abstract soul singer is in your view? 
and tell us about your work as a singer and songwriter. So Abstract Soul Singer is, I would say, avant-garde type artist. And if you heard of, like, a lot of people don't know about avant-garde, but it's almost like you're not following the rules. You're just making up rules as you go with your music. So you're not following this structure of four, you know, uh, uh, was it four, four sets in the first piece of the song and then the chorus. Then you get four lyrics and then, the, like, you're, like, saying, I'm going to do what I want to do. So you might just sing a bar and let the music play. Then you might just rap a little bit or you might maybe even play a flute or whatever you want to do it's like you're just not following the rules but it's art mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. i believe that music is art it's not just about um just doing a song to do it it's it to me what well, if you're a true artist and you're doing it for the love of it it's about finding whatever sound makes you feel good at the time and it might be anything that's not typical and sometimes to some people that's used to a typical song melodic song they can be like oh what is this and then some people will find it refreshing so, and I think it's more, more of it's coming out now versus back when I started this at 20. So I see more people doing avant-garde type styles, you know, uh, going off the, singing off uh, the normal path. So mm -hmm. that's basically what that is. And then my music career, I've, I've uh, performed a lot um, in Atlanta. So I was performing at different bars, different cafes in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I had some stage fright for the longest time. So I could have performed more, but I, I did not. I had some stage fright and I had some insecurities from, you know, you know, just you know, family trauma thinking I can't be a singer in my mind. So I kind of pushed that to the, the forefront, but I still performed in my twenties. I worked for Carnival Cruise Lines. I sung on there, but I realized a cruise boat was not for me. So I got off the boat. <laughs> I don't like being on a boat that long. I cannot be on a boat past two weeks. Um, at least not that yeah. type of situation. And when you're we performing, in... you really got to ride the boat a lot through a lot of cruises, right? Yeah. Yes. As the people get off, but you have to stay on there, right? You have to stay and you can go out sometime, you know, but you have to come back at a certain time and you got to get up at a certain time. It's almost like a Navy or something. It was just not what I wanted. And one of the things yeah. that I want with music is freedom. You know, I don't want to feel like dictated to and, and I wasn't singing my own music. I was just singing cover songs, which is which is fun, but that's not what I wanted to do. So well, I had to that note, stop doing that. Has anyone have you record? Has anyone recorded your songs? Other artists recorded anything you've written? Not that I know of. They haven't told oh, well. me, and I and I haven't even <laughs> yeah. tried looking it I up. Hope that's you a, would. That's something cool. To, that's something great to to bring up because I need to look that oh, up. Because they, yeah. they have, because I've, I've had some people tell me, Hey, I want to redo bad love war. Hey, I want to do chocolate man. And I would love to, to, I haven't, they didn't come back and tell me they did it, but I would love to know if they did. So I would definitely research that. Yeah. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. <your> next project. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Well, it's, it's, your work is just beautiful. Uh, and I have to ask you, did your work has your work as a songwriter and author? helped you in deepening your own relationships and in creating dating assassins. I think it did. I mean, I, cause you know, I, one of my mentors, I said, she used to always tell me everything works together. Everything works within each other, twines in together, you know, cause I felt guilty. Like I said, going to be, get into tech, you know, when I'm doing, trying to do music, I felt like I was cheating on music, but honestly they work with each other. Tech got me more bold more confident. I had to speak in front of a lot of men, it's male dominated, and I was a shy girl. So it kind of made me more bold, like, oh, I can I can take on this. And then I was able to create better music, you know, especially with Champion and Player Hater that came after the album. 
I felt like it made me more bold and strong with pushing the boundaries of what art should be. And now my new song that's mm. going to be coming out soon called Whiskey, which is like a rock meets soul. Um, it's going to be crazy because this, to me, whiskey is the the coming out is my coming out of a, a, a decade of something, you know, into a new me. So that's, so the song is going to be pretty crazy. It's, you know, it's, it's one song that is, it, it's taking me a minute to edit and stuff because I am creating the beat myself. This is the first time I'm doing the beat myself. Usually I'm getting the beat from someone else. This is my beat. So this is going to be crazy. So, and one of my things I'm focused on right now as an artist is sync licensing. I've had my music in some radio stations and stuff, um, but I want to get them into movies and stuff like that. So that's my focus right now. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, how difficult was it to get your album Limitless recorded and out to the universe? And how did you overcome the naysayers? Ooh, I like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it was it was weird. It was like a uncanny situation because when when I had uh, reached out to this producer, well, actually the producer reached out to me first. I was on a site called Reverb Nation, which a lot of artists are on. And I was like the top five artists in Atlanta all the time. I don't know. I thought this would be Reverb Nation likes me. I don't know. I was always top five. So he found me and he was like, I want to work with you. I want us to work together. And I listened to some of his sounds. I said, his style matches what I'm trying to do. So I went out and worked with him and he let me be myself. He also gave me some vocal help and he really taught me different things. And at that point at 22, 23, when that album came out, I was shocked. I didn't think that I was, I didn't think it, I didn't know if it was going to happen because I was so, like I said, insecure from trauma, from family and thinking that I just, I can't do this. I can't make career in this. There's so many great singers. Everybody can sing. Ah, what am I thinking? But this was like my mark on the world to show people that you can do it and be different and be yourself. You don't have to be Whitney Houston or anybody else in Mariah Carey. Cause some, at some time, you know, people want you to act like if you're not singing this way, then you're not singing. But there's different styles of singing. I it I might I don't want to do what they're doing. And I love them, but I want to do what I'm doing because that's just it's coming from my heart. So that's how I came I came up became I got over the naysayers. I just did it. I just did it and put it out there. And that's that. And of course a lot of times people don't really if they don't see you on TV with Beyonce, they think you didn't do anything. But it's it's <laughs> but I think that it's important to recognize that being independent is has more power for me. I realized that I like being, being on the low. I don't really need fame to do my music. I really enjoy just doing what I want to do, not having anybody trying to tell me what to do and all this got to be here. This Like, I just love this freedom right now. And, and, and so I just want other artists to, to, to believe that. Well, how you did you overcome it? Yeah, you, are you very really guts, are. Gutsy. But how did you yeah. how did you overcome it? <laughs> I you. mean, did, did you read some books that helped you or did people t tell you how good you were and and that's what helped you? How did you overcome the I naysayers? Think, I think that's what happened. You know, that makes sense cuz I did meet some people um in the industry that didn't that couldn't, you know, they might be under the big boy that could sign me, but they were helping me out. And telling me like be yourself or don't call here. Be your like they were just motivating me. And a lot of other people I've met, like especially I went to my first class, Orange to Atlanta, which I didn't finish because it was overly expensive. That's another story. <laughs> I met so many great artists out there, and they motivated me so much and, and told me and I was good and, and they support me. So I said, you know what, I can do this, and and that's what gave me the balls because 
boy, oh boy, I was I was so scared, you know, because even though I I didn't have that big marketing budget, the fact that you put something out there is still it was still scary. But that's how I overcame it. And I read um, Paulo Coelho's book, The Alchemist, too. So before that, before oh, it came out, yeah. I read The Alchemist two times. And he was talking about how uh, finding your personal legend and that the universe conspires to help you make it. So anytime your mindset is is uh, thinking forward to a certain thought, like, okay, I got to get this done. Somehow the people, the places, everything just lines up. And so mm-hmm. that's in 2021, 22, I started working on my mindset. And that, and that to me was number one before you do anything, because I realized that I wanted to have a good mindset. Because if you get involved, if you do get in fame, if your mind is ready, you can handle anything. And I think that's what got me like, all right, I got this. And that's how everything came into place for Limitless. Cause it just wouldn't mm-hmm. happen if I had not read. Uh, Paulo Coelho, Alchemist, and uh, Thinking Grow Rich, stuff like that. Oh, uh, Those two books were just catalysts, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you a little bit about your podcast, Blue Al- and it's called Blue Alchemist Podcast. Yeah. Does that have anything at all uh, to do with Paulo Coelho's book, The Alchemist? And also tell yeah. us a little about your podcast and why did you create it? Well, Blue Alchemist Podcast is funny. You know, I... But the first time I started a podcast, I was actually 23 and it was through Block Talk Radio. That was an old school one before all this new fancy stuff came. And when I started talking, I just wanted to motivate somebody. I said, you know what? You know, I'm going through stuff. Let me just motivate somebody else. Maybe I can teach them something that they don't know. Maybe I can tell them something from my scars. And I started getting all this attention on there on Block Talk Radio. Then I got scared and got off. (laughs) (laughs) So fast forward to now. Like three years ago or four years ago, I started getting back into it again. I said, let me start taking it seriously. But I still wasn't going ham at it, like going at it 100%. But I was, I got back at it and I started telling my stories again. And, and it was kind of like the same way I feel with music, the same way with podcasting. A nicheless podcast. I can't just focus. I can't just veer into just talk about tech. Okay, great. I can do that. But just talk about music. I can't just do that. I have to. It's going to come out. I want to talk to different people. So I was like, you know what? Block this podcast. We're going to talk about how you can turn your life around. You can change your world. You can change lead into gold. You can change your life by your thoughts and by, you know, what you, who you're hanging around and stuff. And that's what I based the podcast premise on. So everything I talk about on Block this podcast is around that. Even if I talk about a movie, I'm still telling you a lesson from the movie to help your life because I think people fail to understand when you're niching down, it's like you are the niche. And I feel like you can, you can still have that one message with different topics. And that's why I created Mm -hmm. this podcast because I wanted somebody to avoid what I went through in the, in the industry and things I've been through, my insecurities, all the things I've been through. I said, if I can help somebody avoid it and teach somebody something, then I've won before I died. You know, that's what I say. Well, that's like our podcast, Late Boomers. We we try to do different people with different ideas, but all leading Mm -hmm. toward inspiration, change and, and feeling good and, and moving on. Motivation. And and, yes. Yeah. 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 So that fits right in with what we're doing too. And I heard you've created a film about mental health. Yes. So what inspired you to do that? Well, you know what? I didn't, you know, I probably didn't tell my story correctly, but I got into acting at, at 25 years old. I did two stage plays in Atlanta. 
Um, I did a, a stage play called, well, actually, I don't even remember the name of stage play, but <laughs> I know I played a, a character named Michelle and um, who had contracted HIV and she was fighting, you know, for her life and stuff and learning about her life. And that was my first stage play. My second one was a musical. So I was actually singing. Um, it wasn't my own music. It was cover songs. But I still had fun singing it. And, mm-hmm. and, and it was a full audience. It was a full. And I said, I must can act if I could do stage plays because that's hard. But I was able to um, to basically uh, get some people to like it. I got people in the audience like just they just seemed really into it. And then after that, I was like, um, I really want to act. But I was new to acting because I, I did music for so long. I didn't know what to do. And so at that point, I said, I want to do my own short film. So when I was in L.A., I created Chloe versus Yaya. And basically it's about a young lady that has like a split personality disorder. She doesn't know that she turns into Yaya sometimes. So Chloe's this sophisticated lawyer. She's what looks like she has it together. And then you got Yaya that's like, mm-hmm, like sassy and just messing with her and turning it. She turns into Yaya sometimes with people around her. She doesn't know when she's turning into Yaya. And she's denying that she's turning into Yaya because she wants to look like she's got it together and she doesn't. So that's why I created Chloe versus Yaya. I was trying to, you know, I, I was going to raise funds for it because I wanted to it to be a full film film and get all the bells and whistles. But it was entirely expensive in L.A. I was living by myself in a studio apartment and there was no way I couldn't afford the type of film I wanted to do. So I had to just do a short film. And I felt I was very proud of it. A lot of people like it. I use it now is my um, audition demo for auditions now. So a lot of um, so that's so that's a good thing. But I definitely so you're, you're in it Chloe too. You star in it too. I yep, I star in it. That's me. <laughs> I star in Great. it and um, and I wrote my own script. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Congratulations on that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, because I've realized actors got to start taking up taking in their own. Because I I've met so many actors in LA struggling. I'm talking about people was trying to move into my studio apartment. I mean, it was crazy. People didn't have a place to live. They were they were just trying to make it, and I'm just like. Sometimes we got to build our own table. Like if, if you start, and I know it's expensive, but if you start doing your own films, eventually that'll help you out at least, you know, and everybody's not a boss. Everybody's an entrepreneur. So I'm not saying that's for everybody, but for somebody that has the capability mm-hmm. to be, you know, a writer or, you know, do their own thing and push their own films. That to me is cool. Cause now you have Tubi TV now where you can put your own movies on Tubi and, you know, you can, you can get it seen. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a matter of, you know, focusing or figuring out which way you want to go with it. But that changed my life. I mean, it really did. Whoa. Is there anything personal yeah. about it that you wrote? Or is it really just something that occurred to you about someone you had seen or just, in the stage play? It just came to me. You know, I was watching. What was I watching? I think I was oh Split. So I was watching the movie Split. Um, it was a movie with um, not based off Bruce Willis because it was a uh, it was. Bruce Willis wasn't in that one, but there's a, I can't remember what the movie was called um, with Bruce Willis and uh, Samuel Jackson. I can't remember it, but um, it was really good. So they did a sequel to it called Split and the guy from Wanted, the main character from Wanted played this guy with multiple personalities. I thought his acting was superb. So I said, I want to do something like this. So I basically got it from Split, you know, just... (laughs) Most of mm-hmm. my songs and movies are from TV. And people always say, don't watch movies and shows. It's a waste of time. No. For an artist, it has helped me come up with material. Like my song Champion, 
What's from Paula Coelho's book, 11 Minutes? I read really? the book 11 Minutes and somehow champion just came to me. It wasn't about my experience or anything. It just came from the book. Mm-hmm. Great. Wow. That's yeah. great. Well, tell me something. What What is most important for an artist and for that matter, for all of us in caring for ourselves and our health? Um, let's see. So to me, it's about having confidence and believing in yourself and knowing that if you go a different direction and someone doesn't like something, it doesn't mean that it's bad. It, it, you know, there's something for everybody and you should have confidence and put it out and stand 10 toes down with it because it's your project. You believe in it. And also just keep, uh, keep good people around you. You know, um, if somebody doesn't believe in what you're doing, don't tell them anything else. Stop walking into the lines. Then that was my flaw. I kept walking into the lines then in my early twenties. Don't walk into lines then. Walk, don't say anything at all. Still keep a relationship with family. Be cool with them. But you don't have to tell them about your career, your music and stuff if they don't believe in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, yeah, just keep a healthy mind. Just just uh, read good books. Read books that are motivational. It's going to help you move the needle forward. And and work out because it's important to work out. Like I've learned working out has helped me a lot. I, you know, I, Not only does it tone you up, but it helps you think clearly. Well, what would you like our audience to have as a takeaway today, in addition to those little nuggets you just dropped on us? Um, my takeaway today is I'm trying to think. <laughs> um, what you what you think about becomes you know becomes reality. So please, you know, be careful with your thoughts. It's not easy. It's not easy for anybody because this world's crazy. But <laughs> what you think about it does become reality. So pick your thoughts like you pick your clothes, like they say in Eat, Pray, Love, and the movie Julia Roberts that I love. Uh, pick your yeah. thoughts like you pick your clothes every day because <laughs> it is a process. Every day I am choosing my thoughts to to ponder on. I'm like, nope, that's not going to be a thought I'm going to think about today. And I push it away every day. It's a thing. And I'm okay Thank with you that for because, reminding us of that yeah. because I really try to do that. I think that's yeah. very important because otherwise your thoughts start going down a rabbit hole. You start following a bad thought and another bad thought pops in and you have to then step out of it and say, I'm not, I, I have better things I can think about. I can direct my thoughts. And I think yes. a lot of people haven't learned that skill yet. And That's we all, true. it takes so much practice yeah. to do that. It does. So thank you for telling us again. I love when You're people welcome. remind me of yeah. this. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Thank you. And That's... I want to leave out, and, I, and before I go, I want to say whiskey. Check it out. Whiskey on my mind as I toast to a new me. Oh, I love it. That's I good. will check it out. <laughs> oh, I absolutely. And Whiskey, everything. I love the title. Easy to remember. <laughs> and oh, champion. Yes. Yeah. Oh, they're great. Thank you yeah. so much, Sequoia. Our guest today has been the multifaceted, <laughs> multi-talented Sequoia Blue. She's an abstract soul singer and songwriter, author, filmmaker, host of the Blue Alchemist podcast, and creator of the exciting new card game, Dating Assassins. You can reach her on all social media platforms and check out her music as well. And also her website, sequoiablue.com. And she spells it differently. It's S-I-Q-U-O-Y-I-A-B-L-U-E.com. And go to datingassassins.com to purchase her card game. Thank you so much, Sequoia. Thank you. And we want to thank all our listeners for 
watching us on our Late Boomers podcast YouTube channel and for giving us those five-star reviews on your favorite podcast platforms. We appreciate you so much. We wish you happy holidays, and we look forward to hearing from you on Instagram or our website, lateboomers.biz. Thanks again, Sequoia. Thank you. So grateful. Thank you for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact.